name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. May his grace and his blessing be with us now and unto the age of all ages. Amen. Christos Anesti. Wish you all a blessed feast. Blessed be the Lord our God who has brought us to this feast and to the joy of uh, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the holy apostles and upon the followers of Christ uh, and upon each and every one of us through our baptism and creation and through the Christian life that we lead. And our gospel reading this morning came from the gospel according to St. John, chapters uh, 15, verse 26 through 16, uh, 15. And this speaks to us about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Helper, who proceeds from the Father alone and who guides the faithful throughout their lives. And even though this gospel reading beautiful and it is full of depth and wisdom, I would like to meditate with you this morning on the reading of the Acts uh, this, this morning, uh, specifically the following passage. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this passage reflects more or less what we are celebrating today. And since this passage tells us that on a certain day of a certain month of a certain year, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples it's very easy for us to fall into the mistake of approaching this feast in a purely historical way. This is, however, never the way we approach the feast of the church. Generally speaking, we don't celebrate these feasts just for the sake of recounting uh, what, had ha what happened or hearing stories uh, from history. But instead, when we celebrate feasts, and especially the Feast of Pentecost, our duty is to the Word of God, which is alive, and to allow the Word of God to renew and to make present what we are celebrating in this feast. So, our celebration of this feast is not about something purely historical or simply remembering something that happened thousands of years ago, uh, but it is something greater. It is reliving what happened and being a sharer in that great event. At the time of Pentecost, it is written that all present were full of the Holy Spirit, and so our goal this morning is to also be full of the Holy Spirit so that we might benefit from this feast. And with God's grace, I would like to meditate with you on our celebration of the Feast of Pentecost and only a couple of points. As we read the beautiful passage from Acts chapter 2, describing what happened on the day of Pentecost, we notice several features of the description that speak to us about unity. And I want to make unity our theme this morning. From the very beginning, we are told when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the disciples and the apostles were all with one accord in one place. The place, of course, being the upper room in which our Lord instituted the Lord's Supper, the first communion. And so from the very beginning of the church, we see that the followers of our Lord Jesus Christ were united. They strove to be united. 
They were united before the Holy Spirit descended upon them. They were united in the upper room, a symbol of the church. And in they were in one accord when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what was the effect of the descent of the Holy Spirit upon them? It further established their unity. So they were united before, they strove to be united before. But when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit perfected their unity, not only to each other, but also in the church. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 tells us, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the fact that the disciples began to speak in different languages simultaneously emphasizes their unity. Because through the work of the Holy Spirit, they transcended the different languages that divided humankind into different races, different nations, and different social statuses. Because the disciples were united, the Holy Spirit descended upon them and gave them the tools to further unite the peoples of the world in the common bond of faith through their active preaching and ministry throughout the world. One of the early church fathers, St. Irenaeus of Lyon, he commented on the unity of the disciples achieved through the work of the Holy Spirit, and he said, With one accord in all languages, they uttered praise to God, the Spirit bringing distant tribes to unity and offering to the Father the firstfruits of all of the nations. And there is actually a beautiful uh, symbolism here when we speak about the first fruits of all of the nations. Because if you were to read Leviticus chapter 23, uh, verse 10, you would see that the Feast of Pentecost was originally a Jewish feast in which the priests offered to God the first fruits of the new harvest in the temple. And so on the day of Pentecost, outside of the upper room, the Jewish people we're celebrating the new harvest and the first fruits in a literal way, in terms of agriculture. But within the upper room, on the very same day, the disciples were celebrating the new harvest in a spiritual way. For them, the new harvest referred to the first fruits of all of the nations, of all of the peoples who were previously divided, who would be united through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that the disciples were gathered in unity on Pentecost and the Holy Spirit descended upon them and further established this unity and gave them the tools they needed to bring about the unity of all peoples, regardless of race or language or regardless of their ethnic heritage. The image of the disciples simultaneously speaking different languages is, if you remember, a powerful contrast to an event that we encounter earlier in human history. And this is recorded for us in Genesis chapter 11. And this, of course, is the story of the building of the Tower of Babel. St. Luke, the author of the third gospel account in the book of Acts, he emphasizes the disciples speaking in different tongues to create a contrast between what happened on the day of Pentecost on the one hand and what happened earlier in the building of the Tower of Babel when mankind uh, joined together to build this tower. 
In both Pentecost and in Babel, we see a project to unite all of mankind. And this project, or both of these projects, was made possible by the unity of their language. But there is a difference. In Babel, the unity that was being sought was a human unity. It was a unity decided upon by human beings for the sake of their own glory. The inhabitants of Babel said to one another in their common language, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of all of the earth. And so their goal, the goal of the people of Babel, was to make a name for themselves. Their whole project came from their arrogance and their desire to have power and fame. On the day of Pentecost, however, the disciples used their common language not to speak about themselves, but rather to speak about the mighty acts of God. And this is an important contrast between them of Babel used their common language to build a monument to themselves, whereas the disciples on Pentecost used their common language to build a monument to God. St. Cyril of Jerusalem commented on this contrast, saying, in Babel, that former confusion of tongues, there was a division of purpose, for their intention was evil. On Pentecost, however, there was a restoration and union of minds since the object of the disciples' zeal was holy. So St. Augustine also puts it simply saying, through proud men in Babel, the languages were divided. Through the humble apostles, they were once again united. And this powerful contrast between the confusion of tongues at Babel and the uniting of tongues on Pentecost teaches us that even today, there are two ways in which we can be united. We can be united according to the flesh, as the people of Babel were, or we can be united according to the Spirit, as the disciples were. And of course, those two are very different things. To be united according to the Spirit is to become decentered from ourselves and re-centered on God. Again, to be united in the Spirit is to be decentered from ourselves and to be re-centered on God. It is to go from a life in which we care primarily about ourselves and our own needs to a Christocentric life, a life that has Christ at its center. And the reasons the disciples were, were united in the Spirit on Pentecost is because they underwent this transformation in their lives. You remember before the resurrection, we find the disciples seeking their own glory. They were debating with each other as to who was the greatest among them and which of them would sit at the right and left hand of our Lord Jesus Christ. But after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descended upon them and shifted their focus away from themselves and towards Christ, we are told that they formed a community of one heart and one mind. And the new language they spoke really was the language of humility.
because they humbled themselves, they were united through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the lesson for us today, the important takeaway from today, is that when we humble ourselves, we will increase in the measure of the Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit, we will have unity. Because the Holy Spirit does not simply bring unity from an external source, but He Himself is unity. And He brings about unity. He is the bond of unity that exists within the church. He is the bond of unity that exists within every marriage and every family. He Himself is the unity that our society needs. Every problem that we see in the modern world, we can say comes from people being centered on themselves and not re-centered on Christ. Think about today, and think about, for example, this month in which people advocate for simple forms of marriage and relationships. The, the beginning of all of this is simply a person saying, I want to do what I wish to do, and not only can you not tell me otherwise, but I insist that you accept what I do. This is the genesis of all of this. It is being focused on ourselves and not being centered on God. Because if a person is centered on God, of course the person quickly realizes that the Lord has spoken and the Lord has revealed His will concerning these things and every sin and every immoral thing. The Lord has spoken in different ways and at different times, especially through Scripture and through the church, which is the pillar of truth existing in the world. The Lord has spoken. But today people say, I do not wish to listen to the Lord. I wish to listen to myself and to my own desires and to be focused and centered on myself. And we see that this brings about not a spiritual unity, but it brings about an earthly, a fleshly unity similar to the one that we see in the project at the Tower of Babel. But those of us who wish to live a pure and a holy life must first decenter from ourselves and recenter on Christ, and then the Holy Spirit will come and He will be our unity. Think about any marriage where there are challenges, there are obstacles, there are disagreements. Usually the case where one or both are insisting on something that they want while excluding the Holy Spirit and excluding humility and excluding the things that bring about unity. And so the marriage suffers or the family suffers. But again, center from ourselves and we center on Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit brings about our unity. And we see this concept very clearly in another way in the life of the disciples. Because in terms of their personalities and their backgrounds, the disciples were as different as any twelve men could be. The Gospel makes it clear that our Lord did not choose them because of the compatibility of their personalities. Throughout the Gospel, we see each of them acting in radically different ways. 
Nonetheless, today on Pentecost, they were bound together in community, the community of love through the Holy Spirit. This community was not based on mutual compatibility or common interest, but rather it was centered on Christ and united in the Holy Spirit. And it is the same with us today. We are not a church here today because we are all similarly minded people with the same background. We are a church because God made a community out of us through the work of His Holy Spirit. The church is not an institution only, but rather the church is a miracle. The church is a mystery. For centuries, the Holy Spirit was given only to prophets and kings and judges, but now anyone with faith can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through the church, irrespective of whether you are a fisherman or a tax collector, a Jew, a Gentile, a male or female, young or old, the Holy Spirit is willing to come and dwell inside of you and to unite you to Christ through the church. So, brothers and sisters, as we celebrate this great feast of Pentecost and the strong emphasis on unity through the Holy Spirit, it is my hope that we will examine our lives and meditate on what it means to be united in a spiritual way. Let us avoid being united by our own desires according to what we think is best, like the builders of the Tower of Babel. But instead, let us be united by first being humble. As St. Paul tells us, we must preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We know that Satan and his demons constantly strive to divide us. Our job is to recognize this and to constantly fight back to maintain the unity among us. Think about a spider weaving an intricate and beautiful web. As soon as the web tears, for whatever reason, the spider will rush to that part of the web and it will fix the tear by whatever means possible so that the web remains united and beautiful and functional. And this is what we need to do in every one of our relationships. If there is a tear, we must run and fix it by whatever means possible. We must do whatever we can to preserve our unity in the bond of peace. And if we are the first ones to bring peace, then we know that the Holy Spirit will come and He will solidify our unity and He will keep us united in a spiritual way. I wish you all a blessed feast. Pentecost, glory be to God forever. Amen.